So I started the Input Podcast a little while back in some different formats where it was basically just a place to discuss what, uh, you know, we enjoy watching, what's going on. And one of the things I've come to realize is if I am watching something but don't have any real stake in it in terms of faith and fandom that I often just don't actually say anything about it and so this today we're just kind of kicking this back up because there's a few things that I've been putting in my life and in my entertainment and some downtime that I just thought I'd kick off and talk about a little bit so if you're watching this live on Facebook this will also be on the uh faith and fandom uh podcast channel and you'll be able to uh, listen to it just in audio format there. And we're excited to have you with us and excited to be doing that. So um, so some of the stuff we're going over today. First off, going over uh, The Patient, which is the uh, Hulu slash FX drama dealing with uh, a therapist that's been kidnapped and locked in a basement, which is, you know, if people didn't have enough stigma already about going to therapy, this absolutely helps. And then um, we're going to be talking about the patient. We're going to be talking about Inside Man, which is the new uh, series that just dropped on. It dropped on Netflix on uh, Monday, but it was on the BBC and stuff prior to that. So we're going to be talking about Inside Man. And no, this is not a TV adaptation of the Denzel Washington uh, Chiwetel Ejiofor Clive Owen action bank robbery movie, which I do very much love. No, this is a completely different thing. It is a story written and directed by Stephen Moffat of Doctor Who fame and uh, dealing with a... I'm just... I'm going to wait. I'll tell you about it in a minute. I'm going to talk a little about the show Musketeers, which is another BBC original. Um, Just finished that. Uh, at the high recommendation of my friend Amy, uh, who had been telling me for a while to watch that. Uh, gonna speak just a hair on a Black Adam, Gotham Knights, the video game, and Marcus Mumford's album, Self-Titled. So that's all kind of what's going on and what we're uh, looking at for this time. And so, wrote a song about it, like to hear it, here it go. Um... By the way, if you are watching this on Facebook Live and you want to comment, please do. I am going to do my best to stay up on the comments if you want to uh, be involved in the discussion in that way. So, yeah. Uh, First off, let's start off with The Patient. Uh, The Patient is a, I guess, okay, I'm going to say it's a thriller, but I'm going to say it's not a thrilling thriller. So, um, it's a moderately titillator. Who knows which one to call, go with that? But um, the patient stars Steve Carell as a widowed uh, Jewish therapist who is estranged, strained, estranged, who's estranged from one of his adult children, and uh, takes on, unbeknownst to him, a serial killer as a patient. And that serial killer uh, is basically uh, scouting him out to see if this guy can fix him from being a serial killer. 
And so he visits him under false pretenses, then eventually kidnaps him and chains him up in his basement to help him get cured. Uh, it's not necessarily a long series, but uh, I'll say this, it's much better if you watch it all in one burst as opposed to week to week. I did the week to week to week to week thing and it got old uh, because I felt like the ads, especially on Hulu, were longer content wise than the actual chunks of episode I was watching. So uh, with that, it's oh, and for just conversational pieces, um, the uh, the serial killer is played by uh, I, I didn't look his name up and I honestly didn't care enough to do research <laughs> to look his name up, but it's the young man who plays uh, General Hux in uh, the sequel trilogy of Star Wars. Uh, he's also one of the Weasley brothers. So you, the older Weasley, you know who I'm talking about. Um, so yeah, serial killer is him and Steve Carell plays his therapist. And uh, I don't really give ratings in terms of numbers on things because I feel like that leaves out a lot of depth. Um, I'll say that um, I always struggle with Steve Carell projects that are serious because I hear Michael Scott talk every time he moves his mouth. Now, there are some genuine moments where I feel like Steve Carell acted his butt off in this show, where I feel like he straight up killed it. He just did a fantastic job. But there are some moments where he's trying to say something very, very serious, um, life or death serious, and I giggle because I hear Michael Scott. There was one moment uh, where he was just sad that he was out of foot cream. And the way he said it, I just giggled. Um, but yeah, so he is kidnapped by the serial killer in the hopes to be able to uh, overcome his urges to murder people. And what, uh, what kind of makes me laugh a little bit more is that the serial killer's day job is a restaurant inspector like a health inspector and uh i and most of the people that he ends up uh claiming as victims are people he works with in the restaurant industry and having being someone that deals with the restaurant industry on a pseudo professional level sometimes i get it i see that that you know the frustrations and stuff that could be there could be a real thing um some interesting points to the show uh i i mean i'm gonna keep the spoiler free by the way just uh in terms of actual plot lines some interesting points is uh the fact that it uses judaism very heavily like this might be the most prominent representation of judaism on mainstream television in a hot minute not just where someone's identified as a jew uh or of the jewish uh lineage or faith but of someone who actually heavily practices judaism and one of the big uh, divisions slash skirmishes slash problems that arise in the show um, that separate that cause he and his son to be separated are the fact that his son has gone uh, orthodox Jew wish in their faith um, and thinks that uh, his father and at that time mother uh, aren't 
genuine in their faith um that because they're not as hardcore uh in their practice of judaism that they don't actually have a genuine relationship with god to the point that's actually stated at some point and as being you know obviously i don't deal with that in terms of judaism on a regular basis but being that i deal with christians and uh believers in different aspects where they go where there's some people who are very casual in their faith and then there are some people that are on some gangster ish when it comes to their faith it just really uh it it was a very good depiction of what it looks like for people to be at opposite ends of how seriously and how uh how dogmatically they take things and so uh that was a really good representation also you see some things like uh worship being led inside uh Jewish temples and uh, some specific things that go along with prayer times and the Sabbath and stuff like that. So that was pretty neat. Um, another uh, just cool factor is David Allen Greer. If you remember him from In Living Color fame and back in the day, David Allen Greer also appears in this series as a therapist in a very interesting way. And um, yeah, it's it's just a uh, David Allen Greer, and I can't give you too much without spoilers. But yeah, David Allen Greer plays a very interesting therapist in this. And but then also one of the the most alarming things about the series is that really what it feels like out of nowhere, it starts doing a lot of stuff dealing with the Holocaust. Like once he's imprisoned and chained up and awaiting death, you know, maybe like the third or fourth episode out of nowhere, we start getting uh, Holocaust visuals. And I was just, you know, I was not quite ready for that, but it was, you know, it was well done. It was tastefully done. And um, one of my uh, favorite influences in terms of writing and life and stuff is a man named Viktor Frankl, uh, Man's Purpose for, or Man's Search for Meaning. Um, he's actually depicted in the show. And uh, I was really excited the first time they mentioned someone in Auschwitz in the storyline as Victor, I was like, oh, is that a Victor Frankel? And lo and behold, it was. So that was pretty cool. Um, overall, the show is going to give you a really solid idea of therapy pretty, pretty openly. Um, it's it's going to it's going to give you a really interesting depiction of Judaism and what that looks like in terms of family. And even if that's not your practice, I genuinely think wherever your faith lies, you're going to be able to see some uh, some solid truths of how that applies to us and how we practice what we believe affects others. So that's totally a thing. And uh, yeah, my one complaint that I'm just going to like harp on is that... Um, and I don't know if it's bad product placement. I, I don't know what's up. But the serial killer very often is seen drinking uh, from a Dunkin' Donuts coffee cup. Now, that's obviously fine. People can drink Dunkin'. That's not an issue. My problem comes in the fact that uh, in terms of an actual production level and practicality and stuff like that, the cup is always super duper empty. Um, so when they're filming it, 
and he's drinking his Duncan or finishing his Duncan or whatever else it is, like it straight up is very clearly an empty cup. And if he's using an empty cup as a way to uh, like divert social attention and anxiety and stuff, that's great. But uh, if he was genuinely supposed to be acting like he was drinking from that cup and it was not empty, it was badly done and disappointing. So, uh, yeah, um, that's that's just been a a thing that was on my mind. And every time I saw him pick up a Dunkin' Cup, I kind of cringed in advance. Um, so, yeah. Overall, The Patient was worth watching. Um, it is definitely wor- better watching in one fell swoop and as something that can be, you know, digested very heavily together. And uh, so, yeah, if if serial killers and therapy are your hot buttered toast and jam, then I, I recommend this one. If none of those things excite you and you don't like Michael Scott, don't don't do this it's not for you and um so yeah just throwing it out there uh that that's my overall take when it comes to this and it was a good experience i really did enjoy it and uh so yeah uh now that's gonna bring me over to inside man which is a uh david Tennant series um david Tennant and stanley tucci um and it is written and directed by Stephen Moffat. Now, this is something that premiered on the BBC, and I was very anxious to watch it uh, when it premiered on the BBC, but I didn't have BBC. And um, what made me just really hype about seeing it is it's David Tennant as a pastor. And uh, if y'all don't know, in real life, David Tennant's dad was a pastor. So uh, I feel like he is uniquely... Um, Uniquely equipped to uh, give a solid representation of what that actually looks like. Um, and then, uh, but all the all the advertisement, all the trailers, everything else, uh, straight up depicted it as, you know, a funny pastor type situation. And there is not a lot of stuff that I can say here that... Um, that is not going to be spoilery uh but i'll say this it is very well acted it is a uh, very well written again it's written and directed by stephen moffat and he knows what he's doing especially when it comes to david Tennant and also matt smith and peter capaldi and many others um but uh this feels watching this show felt like trauma like you know how some people like can't really enjoy stuff when it's dealing with heavy anxiety heavy stress situations heavy stuff that actually uh puts tension in the moment you know like why some people rewatch the same comfort shows like y'all they're on their 400th viewing of the office um sometimes people just like need their comfort stuff and this was uh definitely not that i started it uh this morning 
last night at like midnight, I had just done our city Halloween events and was in the process of cleaning up after all the chaos of that. And um, I needed to do some uh, kind of computer work. And I thought, you know what, I'll go ahead and pop this on in the background. Um, and you know what, it, it'll be good. And as I did, like I stopped everything I was doing and I sat and watched the entire four hour story. It's only four hours long. Um, I watched the whole four hour thing uh, in one sitting because it was so traumatic that I couldn't walk away until it was over. Um, I looked at the clock. I realized I wouldn't be going to bed till 4 a.m. I'm like, no, I, I can't. I can't leave this unfinished. Um, performances were wonderful. Um, and this is very much one of those worst case scenario situations. And what do you do in your worst case scenario? And what do you do when you act out of fear? And uh, like, it's one of those situations where uh, if you think things can't get worse, you're wrong. Things can always get worse. And it's that. With with David Tennant and Stanley Tucci and uh, just another a whole solid cast all around. Um, some things it reminds me of are uh, the Killing Joke, the Batman storyline, where the Joker is convinced that all it takes is one bad day to push somebody over the edge. Um, heavily into that, and if you've ever seen Tucker and Dale versus Evil, which is like just two buddies trying to go fishing, but it turns into a horror movie. Um, it has those vibes, but without the comedy. And again, it was really well done. And I thought back on it a lot today as I've been going on about my day. But I'll tell you what, it was stress and trauma and drama. Really well done. Some of it might be some of David Tennant's best David Tennanting. Um, but man, it weighs heavily emotionally on the soul and um it's now it does not tray it does not portray pastors or the church necessarily in a bad light um but it does play into the fact that people are skittish of the church and of especially of ministers and stuff like that when it comes to skittish situations so that is a reality that is something it deals with and uh yeah, that is something it deals with. <laughs> uh, Inside Man, it's on Netflix. It's on BBC. It's four episodes. If that if that floats your boat, uh, please do check it out. Um, I'm not saying you won't regret it because you might love it, but you're going to regret it. Um, yeah. Uh, and then another thing that I picked up is uh, Musketeers, the BBC, the BBC show. Um I, I knew this thing existed, but I never really put a ton of time or emphasis into it because um, I, did, I, I didn't have BBC when it was, you know, really airing and everything else. And um still don't have BBC. Uh, but uh, it, I got into it at this point in time. My friend Amy's always recommended it. Um, but I jumped into it at this time because I missed uh, Peter Capaldi's Doctor Who. And uh, Peter Capaldi plays the wicked, evil cardinal uh, in the Musketeer storyline. 
And so, you know, swashbuckling, chivalry, uh, burly manliness and swords and stuff like, you know, I'm, I'm here for the party for that. That's that's all up my alley. Um, and so I buckled in, I, I strapped on. There's some really great supporting cast in here. Um, there's some people it's like, you know, the man who plays Porthos. I would I would watch pretty much whatever that dude's in. I've not even IMD beat him to see what else he's in, but I would watch whatever that guy's in because that dude was a beast. Um, and I would be glad to jump in and watch whatever he's doing with that. Um, but uh, what I wasn't prepared for, there's, it's, the show's only three seasons long. What I wasn't prepared for is the fact that I started this show for Peter Capaldi. Like he is why I started this show. Uh, when you get to uh, season, the end of season one, uh, there's this cliffhanger, sort not even really a cliffhanger, where um, the Cardinal has been caught in his treacherous schemes, and he is spared by the Queen, and he's set up for this redemption arc where he's either going to be in a deep in a redemption arc, or he is going to like be the biggest villain in the world's ever seen. And I'm so pumped for where this is going and what it's going to be like. I'm so excited for it. Start season two. Season two starts at his funeral. No backstory, no plot lines, no cameos, no nothing. It's he was made to be like he was going to be the main villain of the entire show. And then he disappears. What I failed to realize when I started this show is that this is the show he was doing when he got cast as Doctor Who. Cast in Doctor Who. Sorry. Um, and so he got cast as the Doctor between season one and season two, so he dipped to make Doctor Who. Now, his presence is definitely felt, and some of the villains that took his place were kind of weak sauce at times. But uh, if 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 musketeers, if swashbuckling, if any of that kind of stuff is your is your jam, it's really well done. Um, they explore some treacherous marriage stuff. They explore some stuff of faith. They explore uh, you know, blended and broken families. Uh, you'll see some folks you recognize from different things, like uh, the guy who was um Guy's Baltar, uh, in Battlestar Galactica has a role. Um, the young man who played uh, Goyle from Harry Potter is in it uh, who I work with at Fayetteville Comic Con um, or Crabber Goyle I can't remember um, former Harry Potter people are in there uh, I mean, and you know as the phrase goes England only has like eight actors anyway so they all kind of cross over but you'll see lots of people you recognize um, but it was just a fun show uh I was really concerned that it wasn't going to end well and it was just going to be canceled, but it actually ends well. It has an ending. It's, it's well done. So uh, if you're in, if you're up for something, it's three seasons of just a uh, swashbuckly stuff, uh, you know, jump on it. I think I made a couple memes of it. Um, and, you know, memes aren't always indication of the quality or the content of the show. It's just that it's got good lines. Um, and, Musketeers had a lot of good moments, but hard to meme. And I'll say this, uh, Inside Man had some stuff that was good and memeable, but dang it, I just didn't want to after actually watching it. Um, 
so yeah that was a thing so the patient inside man musketeers and by the way the patient's on hulu inside man's on netflix musketeers is on amazon and uh yeah on the only other watch thing and you can tune into the newest episode of the pull list podcast which is coming out on wednesday um episode 77 um for uh a little bit of my review of black adam and i'll say this black adam's just a fun use of popcorn it's it's not going to change the superhero game and if you want to watch some uh mortal combat level violence and a kid uh on a skateboard basically reenacting uh freddie freeman's role from shazam and you know there's just there's there's a lot of fun to black adam but it will only be fun if you don't go into it with a chip on your shoulder because if you're expecting new revolutionary or something that's going to change the superhero genre it ain't that and um and sadly or oddly enough this is like to be the rock's best focus project like he spent 10 years making this happen it feels like he gave the least performance out of most of the things i've seen him do um either way he had fun it sets up the further dc world and we'll see how that plays out i enjoyed watching it i don't regret watching it um you know it's not the batman it's not you know on that caliber but it is fun and i'll say this it's way better than the eternals and yeah there you go (laughs) um so there's that uh and i didn't put this in the description stuff i'll fix that later but i also wanted to talk uh real quick about um the doctor who uh the the power of the doctor um that was something just watched recently and uh my friend amy who is also the same person who recommend did musketeers to me uh i asked amy to give me a quote on it because she's one of uh she's a very vibrant whovian who i knew would have thoughts on it so um Here's just some quotes from Amy um, that she uh, felt like it was a love letter to classic doctors. I totally agree with that. Um, yeah, almost like the 50th part two that features them. And, you know, I'll say this too: uh, the 50th anniversary, this had strong 50th anniversary vibes. Um, and the history of it, which was, you know, Chindles, I always say it, or Chindles, the guy who made this season and uh, Broadchurch, you know, he's really good at that. Um, and, you know, Amy says, I know some people probably didn't like another Dr. Master finale, but Jody and Sasha gave such a strong chemistry. It was hard not to have them compete. And I'll say this, um, the master really kind of stole the show. Um, and his, his whole portrayal is the Dr. Master thing situation was wonderful. Um, and I felt like he really killed it. And, um, he was a very solid entry into the master. Missy is still fantastic to me, but I feel like Sasha did a fantastic job as the master. Um, uh, Amy goes on to say to me, the show really, they really showed the dynamics of how far they go back with their relationship. It was cool to see how Sasha toyed with the classic companions felt like the writing showed respect to the past. Um, And that was super great. Uh, You know, Sarah Jane was always the cool, notable character and she got her own spinoff. And, you know, Billy Piper is obviously Billy Piper and people care. Um, 
but uh, this showed a lot of respect to classic opinions. Um, I loved seeing their reaction to Jody. Also loved the idea of the Kurnox was brilliant. So five and seven could give proper closure to Tegan and Ace. And that was really cool that uh, you could have uh, doctors who never really got to say goodbye say goodbye in a good way and they they nailed that they did uh really good um amy's only complaint is that uh dan she felt that dan's leaving was very abrupt and uh get that why he did it but it wasn't great for a dynamic for an actor and it was true uh amy goes on to say i cried a lot but really cried with the companion circle because they went as far back as the first doctor with ian a beautiful symbol of support in the most unlikely places, I saw theories of the open chair. Maybe two are for Sarah and Jane, or Sarah Jane or Donna, because Tim will be able to stabilize her memories. Um, and you know, that's the companion circle was a really great moment, and the idea that all of these companions that get abandoned by the doctor need support with somebody they can talk to. It's a really beautiful idea, and they really played that out um, well. Um, obviously, if y'all have seen the internet lately, you know David Tennant's back. Um, I'm happy David, uh, Amy writes, I'm happy that David is back and like the idea of no memories and a big fan. Um, she's a big fan of Neil Patrick Harris. She's excited. He's a villain. Um, but mixed feelings too. It feels like a way to win back fans who didn't like Jody. And realistically, that's, you know, I think that's a case is that um, they took a risk with Jody and it didn't work out as well as people hoped. And they're bringing David back for a minute to lure everybody back in and almost like be an appeasement to fans so that more people can jump back in uh, with our next doctor. Um, and I'll say this, and I, I stand by the statement because I've been I've been through I was here through all of Jody's run. Um, I don't ever think Jody was a bad doctor. And I don't even disagree with a lot of the companions. Um I feel like Jimble was just not the best at writing Doctor Who paced stories and Doctor Who moments like that. Um, he's great. I mean, Broadchurch is a freaking masterpiece. Um, but uh, you know what? I'm looking forward to what's going to happen. I'm happy that Russell T. Davis is going to be back. But at the same time, I, I, I like the idea of New Blood. But yeah, I think they are trying to look for something to smooth things over. Um, and uh, that, yeah, this the power of the Doctor really does fit right up there with the 50th anniversary. So uh, power of Doctor, honestly, it was really good for me. I don't have anything more really honestly to add to it beyond um, what Amy said. So that's a, that's a solid take on it. Uh, last two things just want to hit you with. I've been playing Gotham Knights uh, when I can have time. October is one of the busiest months of the year for me, um, right up there with July. And so I haven't had a ton of time to play, but I have been playing Gotham Knights and uh, I love it. I know IGN gave it a five out of 10, which I feel is kind of abysmal, honestly, in comparison. Um, if you go into this expecting the next Arkham game, you will be a little disappointed um, because this is not an Arkham game. This honestly feels like um, Assassin's Creed uh a little bit like assassin's creed valhalla with a little bit of spider-man uh and some ninja turtles uh but their storytelling is good their respect for the 
characters are good. Um, I have not played with anyone but Jason Todd. And if the game allows me to play the whole way through with Jason Todd, I will play with only Jason Todd because I love Red Hood and I'm excited to have a whole Red Hood storyline. And each level, each uh, interaction changes depending on who you're playing with, which is, you know, honestly worth it for me. Um, you get some extra backstory on that. You get some solid moments with Alfred. But uh, th there's been a really good representation of Jason in this. I will say that I feel like the voice actor for Jason is trying really hard to sound like Dean Winchester. Not that that's a negative, but I, I get that strongly that that's what he's trying to do. Um, but it has been fun. I don't know exactly how deep I am in the game. Um, the Obviously, the main, main bad guys of the story are the Court of Owls. And I'm not rushing this. Um, three of the villains uh, that you can interact with on a almost almost uh optional scale are mr freeze clayface and harley and um i just took the time to play through the clayface and mr freeze missions um and i'll say this the boss fights for clayface and mr freeze um were freaking white knuckle scenarios they were stressful um, I felt like I was playing Dark Souls, and I've never even played Dark Souls. Um, but those battles were great, and um, I'm having fun with the customization. I'm having fun with the costumes. I think a lot of it's really good. So uh, if if you just want to enjoy some DC characters and you're a big fan of Red Hood or Nightwing or anything like that or Batgirl, you can't really go wrong with this. You just also just, you know, beware of negative hype, man. Um, because it's a lot easier for people to tear things down than to build them up. So I would just say be cautious of that, but I'm having a blast with it. Um, and then the last thing I was just going to mention is uh, self-titled by Marcus Mumford uh, on a musical level. Um, Marcus Mumford, like David Tennant, is also a pastor's kid. Um, and you can always hear a little bit of a Jesus reflection in his writing and after some of the stuff from Mumford and Sons over the last year or so, uh, Marcus released a self-titled album, a solo album. And um, there's a lot of biblical discourse in the album. One of the main singles is called Grace. And it's like the church, it's the uh, the countdown song for my church's uh, intro video each week right now. Um, but uh, there's also a song that talks about uh, Nehemiah. And, you know, building back the wall in Israel. And then there's also a song that's all about John chapter 8, about uh, when Jesus uh, wrote in the sand, throwing stones and everything else called Stonecatcher. Um, all, all those things are woven through relational situations, but it's still really neat to hear those references. Uh, it is uh, explicit lyrics. There's one song, like every other Mumford album, that uses the F word just because they can. Um, but uh, I found it lately to be a really solid go-to for me emotionally and everything else, just enjoying the process. So that's my input. That's what's been going into my uh, entertainment digestion level. Um, what are you watching? What are you playing? What are you enjoying? Love to hear your comments. Love to hear your feedback on this. If you're watching this on Facebook Live, make sure you like share, comment, do whatever you want to do there. If you're listening to this on our podcast or on YouTube, join on over there as well and, you know, do all the things. 
that we say to do on the pull list while Chris is closing the show because I don't pay attention enough to actually say that in the correct order. But um, thank you for listening. Thank you for doing this. And uh, also, uh, we have a new book dropping in November. We'll see. Um, Rebecca Godlove, who's one of our partners in a lot of things, uh, is editing that book. And she said that I'm getting the final of it in the next day or so. And uh, it is a non-nerdy devotional, but she had some good commentary on it. So uh, there's a new devotional book that'll be coming out there. And then once that's done, I'm focusing heavy on book nine. So uh, yeah, I've got some outlines on stuff for that as well. Um, But I want to take time and let it be organic as well. Thank you to our Patreon supporters. Um, all, All the whole gaggle of you, you're wonderful. And I love you and I appreciate you for helping make ministry possible uh, at cons and stuff like that. We have two cons left for the year, uh, Grand Strand Comic Con Thanksgiving weekend and the Lumberton Comic and Toy Show on December 17th and 18th or whatever that is at the Lumberton Mall. So that's it for me. Um, thank you for listening. Thank you for watching. Thank you for caring. And I hope you have a great night. God bless. Mm-hmm.